again. Welcome to this week's episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, that weekly visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. The class is led by me, Pastor Dan, and I am helped ably by my lovely daughter, Bethany, as we are together studying the book of Revelation. This is episode 10. It's recorded on Memorial Day weekend, 2018, and we will be visiting the church at Laodicea. Before we do, let me remind you of one important thing. This is a extension of Shiloh United Methodist Church, and in the same way, we want you to view it as an extension of your relationship with the local church. In other words, as you've studied Revelation with us, you've noticed that there are many kinds of churches, and some are more favorably uh, graded by Jesus than others, but in all of those places, Jesus found things that he was commending, well, almost all of those places. And uh, it's the same way with you. As you go on your journey, you're going to find places that don't fit where the Lord seems to be directing you, but you keep going, and God will direct you to the people with whom you are to serve and worship. But please, don't go it alone. That's so important. If I created this to help people, then it would be a disservice for it to become a crutch. This is not meant to be the only thing you do. So I take that very seriously. That's why I tell you this every week. But now let's go to the church classroom first as we uh, join together in loving God and each other. This week's psalm reading is taken from Psalm 11, Psalm 11, which is another of David's psalms, and it comes with directions for the director of music. Psalm 11 says, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, Flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is holy. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. He his eye examines them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face.
God, we love you. We seek righteousness by your standard. We seek to be a righteous people, people for whom you would fight to the very uh, brink of disaster with us because of your conviction and uh, devotion to righteousness. As we seek your righteousness then, Lord, we pray for one another as we live to serve you in righteousness meaning that we walk rightly with you and lord this is our desire you are the ultimate holiness the ultimate rightness and we seek to live according to that and to enter into your presence by the grace that provide provided through jesus christ gives us uh, the, the acceptable presence among your heavenly hosts and it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around that lord but as the psalmist says, there's evil and wickedness out there, and we want nothing to do with it. And so, Lord, as we see our world suffering in so many ways, we ask that you prevail and that you make your people part of how you re return this world that you've created to its rightness. Please bless each who listen today and all that they love, all those who come to their minds as we pray together for well-being and health and fitness and rightness for service to you. Lord, please bless us as we study your word today that we might know you through your heart and mind revealed to our hearts and minds. Yahweh is righteous. Yahweh loves justice. And the pure in heart shall behold his face. Coming to you live via transcription from the GHM studio in Jasper, Indiana. In the studio with me today, Bethany Sinkhorn, my able and massively knowledgeable partner in crime in this study of the book of revelation yep folks she is in the process of relocating and she's going to be coming to you live from inside the studio now and so she is i should say she's almost live she's partly dead because i feel like i'm partly dead today because she came today with a pretty nasty cold and so if she sounds a little sick she is yes. but she is in the house and uh, I'm here. so i may have to try to avoid making her laugh and you have to understand she's my daughter so she usually is laughing at me and not with me <laughs> it's something daughters do but we are here together to study now the third uh chapter three rather the third chapter of revelation and we are studying the letter to the church at Laodicea at this time and uh, I want to begin with a uh, course correction or a personal admission of error um, in my study and preparation um, I have mixed the information that I gathered regarding the church at Sardis and the church at Laodicea in other words, both had similar problems. They were both wealthy churches and both uh, in pretty good shape as far as the global scene was concerned. 
and pretty worldly in that sense. But I said of Sardis that they were the ones with the black wool that was so unique and the ones with the medical treatment that was so revered. And that was incorrect. It wasn't Sardis, but actually Laodicea that had that quality. And it just got, I got it crossed up in my mind because as I was preparing and researching, uh, I, you know, basically just got my wires crossed. And uh, Sardis, uh, everything else we told you about Sardis is true. It's just that, uh, uh, as I recall, Sardis, I was sort of describing as the megachurch or the big healthy wealthy church that puts on a good show and that part's really true but the things i said about the the town uh the community those were somewhat errant in that they were actually mixed with facts about laodicea so i beg your pardon for my error and i will try to be much more meticulous in the future but when we begin speaking of Laodicea, I'm just going to open. I usually throw it to Bethany first for the historical, but I want to open by saying, actually, Laodicea is the one that's famous for the unique black wool. It was a very soft wool that was black, and people went to them for it because you couldn't get it anywhere else. It was sort of like Vidalia onions and Cuban cigars and that sort of thing. It was... Uh, cashmere you know that actually comes from a place called cashmere so uh, that that's the black wool place is Laodicea and Laodicea was famous for an ointment that their medical school had developed that healed people's eye problems and so it was Phrygian powder Phrygian powder I think Aristotle called it or Phrygian 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 of, yeah, something like that. It, That's what I, it probably doesn't make any Phrygian difference, does <laughs> it? Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> it's a Sunday. I preached the gospel today. I can't believe I just made a joke that bad. Maybe because I kept it for later and didn't tell it during church on Sunday. It was, you, it was punny. It was punny, yes. In any case, this ointment was uh, renowned, and they did have a kind of medical school there. So that's Laodicea. Uh, a college town, a university town. It's Bloomington, Indiana. It's it's uh, any other you know college community that mm-hmm. has a medical school, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, that's a pretty good place to start. So, Bethany, what have you got for us on historical background, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera? Well, um, to start with, it um, it used to be called the. Diospolis, Diospolis. Um, it was called the city of Zeus. Okay. So, so before it was named Laodicea by this guy that I'll tell you about in a minute, it was called the. I, I took Spanish, so I want to say Diospolis because Dios, God, you know. Um, but it was the city of Zeus, so there was it was heavy in temple worship. Um. It was like 99 miles east of Ephesus, so it's the most inland of the seven churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like when you think about, when you look at a map of the seven churches, it wasn't far from some of these other churches. Like it was relatively close to Philadelphia. It was relatively close to Sardis. Um, <coughs> it was also situated on a major highway, which helped it to have a lot of trade. And like you said... Um, the black wool was really the big trading item. Um, it was really prosperous, like real prosperous. 
Um, we talked about how Sardis paid for their own repairs and rebuilding when that big quake hit in 17 AD. That's so did, 17 AD. Yeah. It almost sounded like you said 17 AD. 80? Yeah, sorry. It's, no. the, it's the nose. That, that's all right. Um, 17 AD, yes. Because <clears throat> um, Laodicea didn't even exist in 1780. Yeah. <laughs> it was gone. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that. Um, Are you saying 70 AD? No, it didn't exist. You said that. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm clarifying. We've, we've eliminated 1780. <coughs> yes. And you've made I'm us. I'm saying 17 as in teen. The year 17. The, the same year that Sardis and Philadelphia okay. were hit by a really okay. large quake. All right. Just wanted to be double uh, clear on that. They also were hit by that same earthquake because they were relatively close together. But they, like Sardis, didn't get any aid. They chose not to get any aid from the emperor. Uh, the Roman Emperor, because they were, they were making bank anyway, and yeah, uh, <laughs> they didn't need it. Uh, Those guys were kind of like the Texas of their day. Yeah, you know? yeah. They, yeah they we'll they call you if we need you. They didn't need help. Um, so it, the name was changed to Laodicea in honor of Antiochus the Second Theos, who was like the ruler of the city at the time. He wasn't like an emperor or anything. He wasn't a king. He just was running that particular city, and his wife's name was Laodice. So he named the city after her. He actually divorced her, though, eventually, which I think is interesting. So he was like, here's a city named after you, and now I'm going to marry the pharaoh's daughter so that I can make relations good with Egypt. (laughs) That's pretty much what he did. Um, And I read a little about her. I won't go into a lot, but she she took care of herself. She was was an in-charge kind of lady. Um, you're talking about the divorced wife. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was. She didn't mess around. I got you. Um, so she did okay after she was divorced from him. She made sure she still got taken care of. Um, she had a good lawyer. Yeah, I think so. Um, the the name Laodicea, if you break if you break the word down, it means. Um, so Leo means people, and dice or dice or however you say that part means decision mm-hmm. which is interesting i think because you hear that this is a city that's really um self-sufficient yeah and it means people like basically people's decision huh. um so i think that's interesting this was a city that was they were making their own decisions they were a free city under roman rule which is not common in that part of turkey at the time yeah um so they they weren't really under roman rule they were a free city that associated with Rome, but Rome wasn't running them. Okay. Um, they were part of like a, I don't know, like a conglomerate type group of cities that worked with Rome, but didn't like bow down to Rome and say, yes, we're going to, you know, we're doing things the way the emperor says they didn't pay taxes to the Romans. Um, so they were in charge of themselves. It's reminding me of something that, that if I speak it on this podcast, I may, (laughs) I may regret it, but I like finding analogies to mm. represent these things. And you know, in my experience of our denomination, the churches that are big enough have an affiliation with the United Methodist Church, Yeah, but they kind of get to call the shots mm-hmm. because the denominational headquarters can't really risk cutting off yep. that uh, 
you know it, it's better to leave them alone because it's a great representation of the denomination mm-hmm. because it's this big shining you know edifice and it's also producing a certain income that's necessary and, right and so it kind of reminds me of that yeah the, i the, think so bigger church can kind of act autonomously even though it's affiliated with the denomination mm-hmm. where a smaller church is somewhat less inclined to do so because there are consequences mm-hmm. very yeah, very so, interesting yeah. yeah there were about um the other thing i thought was pretty interesting is there were about two thousand jews that lived in this city um they immigrated but i didn't get a whole lot of background on why they moved there um but they were really really faithful to the jerusalem jews and yearly they would send like 20 pounds of gold for the temple um and then i couldn't find an exact date on this but during the rule of this guy named flaccus he confiscated all of it and was like "Mm, nope we're gonna take that wow um so those jews were no longer able like they i mean they could have kept trying to send it but it just would have kept getting confiscated by this guy so flaccus Um, Flaccus. gave him some flack he gave him flack yeah Mm. um so but they were jews that were very faithful worshipers and they were they were you know well that supports something that i have in my notes which is that uh uh though there's no perfect evidence there's ample reason to believe that this was the church that was uh established during paul's uh mission to ephesus that mm-hmm. ephesus was his headquarters and this was no doubt one of the extensions of his church planting mission from ephesus mm-hmm. and uh ephesus is really central to his ministry it's yeah. uh, you know kind of ground zero for his asian ministry you could call it mm-hmm. and uh so the fact that he pleaded in other cases in scripture for people to support the church at jerusalem uh, which, you know, at the time that he's written this is under uh, incredible pressure and will eventually capitulate, mm-hmm. um, you know. So this is very interesting because it kind of supports yeah. that. Yeah, that is interesting. <coughs> so um, last couple of things that I got were, I said it wasn't around in 1780. Right. It was destroyed. Um, it was sacked by the Turks and the Mongols somewhere around like 1230. Uh-huh. Um, not the time, the year 1230. Somehow you just knew that uh-huh. I might jump on oh, that. Oh, I know. The year 1230. Uh, and so it's situated near the modern city of Denizli. I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. But that's where it's near. But it is a ruin. It's not wow. a city anymore. It's an incredible ruin. Like, when I started looking it up, there were, like, you can tell how wealthy the city was because this ruin looks like a city. It reminds me of some of the places we saw when we were in Israel that are really intact. Um, They're, like, all the baths and there's temples, there's a stadium, which really the stadium is just, like, like, a really, like, large area of grass that's like curved up because it was for foot races so it's but sort of an impression yeah uh, an amphitheater type thing but there's like a senate house there's theaters like and there's like fully intact streets when you look up pictures you can see these colonnades um and i'll let you talk about this more but there's a mostly intact aqueduct yep and it was not an effective aqueduct <laughs> 
um, which we'll get to, but it it was really prone to calcium buildups because of the way the water flowed, and they had methods for cleaning it, but they never did a very good job of cleaning it, so it wasn't a very effective aqueduct as Roman standards go. Um, and I will let you talk more about that because you have interesting things that go with that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, it, it's a total ruin. No one lives there, but it's a really beautiful archeological site, um, which I think is interesting that there's not even a city left. Well, uh, <coughs> and the only thing I have that, that would add to what you've already provided is that it was a city of merchants and bankers, mm-hmm. gold refiners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at the junctions of the road that led from Ephesus to Smyrna. And so it was all part of that uh, interstate highway system you were talking about the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, caravan trade uh, made it possible for uh, even from Laodicea it made it possible for people in Laodicea to receive goods from as far east as uh, Punjab uh, and China mm-hmm. you know I mean uh, Cicero had a court there and he did his banking there yeah I think I read something about that that he he had like all his banknotes came through Laodicea because they were just and, and here's an interesting thing it's too. Like the Swiss bank. You well, boy, <laughs> Swiss is a really good example for this because you know the Swiss in our um, uh, in our times the Swiss are well known for their neutrality. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't claim to have a military might. It, with all the pressure that was going on from all sides during World War II, Switzerland managed to maintain its neutrality. Right. And uh, so for that reason, they were kind of amazing. And you, you're right, people have Swiss bank accounts. And, and so Laodicea in Switzerland, they have a lot in mm-hmm. common. And uh, I, although I can't claim to know enough about Swiss religion or politics, so I'm not going to go there because mm-hmm. I really don't know how to speak to it. But it's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, you had described some of the other locations as having some real significant military advantages mm-hmm. they they had heights they had you know different kinds of, of uh, uh, ramparts and you know provisions yeah. for their protection but but uh, Laodicea really was a commercial city and it wasn't uh, they didn't have a standing army they didn't have any particular mm-hmm. uh, and and y- you know you get the impression that they didn't need one because they were such an economic powerhouse that their enemies, mm-hmm. that, that their defenses were more uh, financial and economic. It's like, you know, you can mess with us, but you you mess up the whole world you economic system. Too, you know, yeah. you, you're going to do yourself a disservice, so you better, you better just help us keep doing what we're doing. Um, sort of reminds me of the Vatican during World War II because, you know, right in the middle of German-occupied, Axis-occupied Italy is this Vatican that is off-limits, and even the Nazis won't touch it. Yeah. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact that if you get the Catholics in the world mad enough and there's enough control over the finances and so forth, I mean... You know, the, the the Nazis had figured out how to kind of, you know, defeat the Jews, or at least they thought they could. 
but they really didn't know how to defeat the Catholic Church. That had to have driven and Hitler so they, crazy. They had too. to cooperate. Yeah. So I mean, that's I, I hesitate to even use that just because it doesn't matter what I say about the Jews. There was nothing good about how it was no. dealt with. It just it's just the reality that when you've got the power. Uh, you don't necessarily need the army when you've got mm -hmm. another kind of power. Yep. Well, okay, let's take a look at the passage now. It's, uh, it's Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And uh, I'm going to give you a break. I'll read it since you're Thank coughing you. a lot and everything. <laughs> so, so it begins this way. To the angel of the church at Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from the gold refined in the fire. Buy from me the gold refined in the fire. So you can become rich and white clothes and have white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we're chuckling as I read that because it's like, because we took the time to really do the background work, all of a sudden everything Jesus is saying has... Oh, it's perfect. It's sort of witty, really. <coughs> he's really very witty. and oh, here's he's like blasting them for every single thing we just talked about. Yeah, well, and there's one we haven't mentioned, though. Yeah. You, you told me you were going to leave this one to me. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is the most famous thing about this passage... This is that thing that I have told you over and over again. I just despise. And if we were sitting in an actual church classroom with a group of our friends studying scripture, I'd tell them flat out just what I'm about to say now. The difference is, is I know it stays in the room. And here, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, God willing, it goes to understanding years. But, you know, people who say... You're just like Laodicea. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're just lukewarm. And I spew you out of my mouth. I have heard people say that with such venom as though somehow they can quote scripture anytime I don't agree with them or anytime I don't choose to take the extreme point of view that they have. And there's where I've really had my bout with resentment over that. And I... I confess that it was resentment once upon a time, and I've repented of it, but the truth is, it's just wrong to use scripture to justify hatred towards people who don't agree with you. Right. You know. Um, it's like the opposite of what scripture says we're supposed yeah. to do. <laughs> Here's what Jesus is referring to, and this is what's so brilliant about this wit 
that is written into this this letter by Jesus. Another thing that Laodicea was well known for is the fact that it got its water from a nearby town um, that uh, it was a uh, a town in what is now Turkey that uh, was called uh, Hierapolis, about six miles away, and it was well known for its hot springs. Okay, so so. Uh, Basically, the water from Hierapolis was sent down the viaduct six miles, and by the time that hot water from Hierapolis got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but their aqueduct was not adequately maintained. No, it was maintained. really ineffective. And so this poorly maintained aqueduct sent them bitter really limey and cruddy water yeah by the time the water got to him it was tepid and and here's the thing because i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in my mix you know we've been kind of anxious to get to Uh, later we haven't stopped talking about it and and but but the point is is that what jesus is saying about this water is is that there's nothing particularly good about it (laughs) right and when he says that it's lukewarm, he's kind of saying, you know, it starts out hot, but by the time it gets to you people, it's mm-hmm. not even cold. Mm-hmm. It's worse than hot or cold because, because basically, if it, and you think about your own tastes, but you can also study, you know, various like Google it, and you'll see what I mean. That that, that the the food industry has put uh, millions of dollars into studies. And they've learned things like my, you know, your grandfather, my father has often told me this story that that uh, ice cream, it's very interesting to watch children eat ice cream and watch adults eat ice cream. And the truth is, is that children tend to like their ice cream a little bit softer and a little bit warmer, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And adults prefer it harder and colder. And it's because as we change with as we grow older, uh, our palate changes mm-hmm. and our taste buds change and and we're not only affected I just warmed up my lunch after church and I had debated about whether <laughs> to eat it cold or warm it up and I decided that it tasted better warmed up yeah. so 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 the, the temperature of something can really have an effect on how it tastes to us right. and so when Jesus talks about the lukewarm water that he spews out of his mouth He's saying it doesn't have any effect on my palate. I don't hardly know there's anything there. Yeah, it's like it's not. There's nothing. Yeah, because yeah. it's not cold. It's not hot. It it's just. It, it just it already matches internal temperature. So it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it would be like drinking bath water. I yeah. mean, it's just not particularly appetizing. And with the same amount of credit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it really would. So. So this is interesting because what it means is Jesus is putting he's he's like you just said in these passages he's taking them apart for all the things that they're known for good or bad of, yeah you know um, he he points out their embarrassing water supply how could a rich city like this have such a lousy yeah, really. you know and some for a city that claims self sufficiency to rely on another city's water yeah you know that's kind of interesting and and how fundamental is that sewage and water it, a sophisticated society mm-hmm. the first thing any sophisticated society does <laughs> is it takes care of waste and it takes care of the fresh water supply and you can always tell when a society is declining because it no longer manages its waste well well and, if you and study, it doesn't keep its water and clean. if you study history 
you see that like when plumbing ma- when plumbing changes happen that's usually when there's a turn in terms of like in du- industry and like like England got out of the dark ages when their when their plumbing started changing exactly and and because it like plumbing has a factor like it factors into health it factors into so many different things so if your water is if your water system sucks then probably there are bigger problems in your city too that you're masking well and that's that's kind of an interesting like uh you know and and i think boy i i'm hesitant to say this at this juncture but you know there have been a lot of people who have pointed out that the infrastructure in our country has been on the decline Mm -hmm. for for 50 years Mm -hmm. And, you know, why is that? Well, it's because we're so busy entertaining ourselves. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're so busy looking for, uh, you know, gadgets and gadgetry and everything. And, you know, we have, uh, we, we don't want to get taxed anymore. But then again, who wants to drive across a bridge that isn't safe anymore? You know, and and so I don't want to make this about America. But then again, one of the uh, purposes of this study is to look at how the uh, scripture is speaking to the modern church as well right. as that church and so churches well, in general you and know. it's interesting that you say that because again the archaeological finds that are left in Laodicea yeah are a stadium theaters a gymnasium temples all things that are recreation and entertainment yeah, I mean, um, it, so it, clearly that like that's where they were putting their money. That's a really good point. You know, where was the wastewater treatment plant? Right. You know, where they weren't were, t- they weren't putting money into improving the aqueduct. They were building a stadium. And as you pointed out, and my notes also say that they had the means. They knew what to do. Yeah. To cure this problem, but they just didn't invest didn't, in it. Yeah, they 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 could have worked on it, and they knew how to, but they didn't do it. They yeah. Just, it was. I don't know. So yeah, it's it's kind of amazing, isn't it? And uh, so well, now that we've read the passage, I would just like to reiterate my point from last time that there are way better burns than the lukewarm one because there's some there were some in there that just made me want to like laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I it, you know very well because we've been talking about this kind of thing for years. So you know that that's a particular burn of mine mm-hmm. and it, it it all goes back to a particular classmate i had at the <laughs> at uh, a seminary not to be named here at a place and time to be forgotten for now <laughs> i attained much there and learned much there but i'm not really interested in going back to that time way back in the 90s all I can tell you is is that I learned a lot back then, but I also encountered some people who were phenomenally ignorant and content to be so. Mm-hmm. I never encountered people who could say in a learning opportunity, I don't want or need to know what they want to tell me. I know that they have a reputation for being... Uh, anti-biblical and anti-christian and anti you know and liberal and all these things that that you know and and it's from that experience that i gained my belief that extremism is the enemy Mm -hmm. because the extremist on whatever spectrum is the one who is really hunkered down in the ditches on either side of the road throwing rocks at the 
guy in the ditch on the other side of the road and it's the rest of us who are trying to walk the middle of the road <laughs> and trying to see things from both directions that we end up getting caught in their crossfire you know and I learned all of that when I was in that situation and I remember this man very well who would look at me because I didn't agree with him or because I applied critical thinking to his message and he was he resented that I gave critical thinking that I spoke my critical thinking out loud mm -hmm. He resented that because it was like, no, you have to say, amen, brother, you are right. This country's going to hell in a handbasket, and it's, it starts with the overthrow of these lame institutions like this one. And, and, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm thinking, what a fool. Yeah. You know, and then Jesus says, you know, don't ever call someone a fool. So I'm like, okay, Jesus, what do I call him? And, uh, you know. The only answer I could come up with is telling him he had a phone call from somebody and, you know, he should go get it. And, and then I'd go find another room to be in. Anyway, that's another story. So I don't know if that was a Christian thing to do, but 20 years ago it <laughs> felt right. So so anyway, you know, so what does it say about Laodicea? I'm not even sure I was talking about Laodicea, but then maybe I was. Because, you know, what he's really saying is, is, is you know, guys... You're really proud of the clothes you wear. You're really proud of the the uh, beauty of your society, and you know your sophistication and and your intelligence and your art and all of this. But what I look at you, I see pitiful, wretched, poor, and naked people who need to be clothed in white. Now, why would Jesus tell them they need to be clothed in white? Probably because he's saying, in effect. You really haven't been washed in the blood, as the old hymn says. It's, it, and I know if you don't understand that, it, it sounds weird that I'd say washed in the blood and clothed in white. But the way you become pure in the eyes of God is through the blood of Jesus. If, and, and I think that's, uh, I think, you know, where I said that Sardis was kind of like the super church or yeah. the mega church, and, and, you know, I would say that Laodicea is the church that is purely a social thing um sardis is is not purely social it's saying and doing the right things but for all the wrong reasons <coughs> and laodicea is the church that's really just kind of all show yeah. it's it's a social thing yeah. um you know you you can't be uh uh up-and-comer in the community unless you attend this church and Jesus is kind of saying you know okay so basically you guys have a Sunday morning social exercise you have a Sunday evening social exercise you got something on your social calendar every day of the week well this is the one that looks like religion but you're filthy you you have nothing that I value I think if I remember right even Sardis who doesn't get any kind of commendation he still mentions that there are people in Sardis that are on the right track. Yeah, yeah. I think what's really interesting about this one is that you don't get a sense that there's anybody that's with him yet. Yeah, I mean, um, he, you know, he says... Which I think speaks to what you were saying, that it's, it's just for yeah, show. It really is just, just completely, you know, for show. Um and this is one of those things that I know is real because um, because I have come to learn that I will sooner or later experience everything that I thought was only made up. <laughs> but 
I haven't really been around people like this too much, although I hear that I've been really close to meeting some, you know, but but it's always seems to have been outside of my periphery, and I guess I'm grateful for that because I would... I would probably not be very patient or understanding with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I, so my point here is that, uh, you know, Jesus is telling them, you guys really have nothing going for you um, until you receive my grace, you know, and I clothe you in white. And then he says, I'm counseling you to receive my gold. Uh-huh. You know, you guys are in the gold fi- refining business business but i'm i'm the one that you need to deal with here you know uh i love i love these um commercials uh in the in the cities where they'll the the, there'll be a certain jeweler in town that advertises that they go to antwerp belgium Uh and actually what we've come to learn is is there's also a lot of diamond exchange going on in tel aviv Uh and jerusalem and places like that and and uh and so diamond importing and exporting is a big business and so i picture that yeah and i imagine that laodicea was this place where people traded in gold (coughs) and um as i understand it people who who are into like gold coins and things like that they're always looking for the most pure gold coin they can get their hands on because that's actually there's no such thing as a pure gold coin because it would have no it would not have enough substance, you right. know. Gold only works exactly. as a alloy. It has to be mixed with something that makes it strong. But well, and it makes me curious about what the connection between Sardis and Laodicea was, because Sardis was the one that was refining gold, and they like invented modern currency. Mm-hmm. So I'd be curious because you know you hear that Laodicea has these big banks where emperors are banking. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know what the connection was. That's yeah. not something I found out, but... Well, hear that, uh, listeners. You may be getting a challenge there to do some <laughs> homework and visit the Facebook page. As always, we love it when you visit the Facebook page and join in the conversation. So, you know, Jesus concludes by saying, uh, you know, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? You're my daughter, and you can say, <laughs> even in your adult life, with certainty that that is a truth. Yeah, and when you were a child, it was hard to swallow because yeah. a child doesn't like being told what they don't want to hear, even if it is good for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a certain amount of this childishness that sort of translates to whole communities of people. And uh, and we are realize, you know, we we mustn't forget that we may be talking about a community, but we are talking about a church. Mm-hmm. You know that Jesus is writing to a particular church and a particular type of church, and so he's saying to these people, "I love you, but why has this become so shallow? Why has this become an empty exercise? It's like white bread." You know, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but for years I always believed that white bread was really soft and mushy and tasty, but it had no nutritional value at all. Yeah, and this is the white bread church. It's just, you know pretty to look at tastes good feels mushy in your mouth with some peanut butter and jelly but when it's all said and done there's nothing there and uh except you know peanut butter and jelly might have some nutritional value but anyway and uh you know and so he says so here i am i mean i'm standing at your door 
and this has been painted many you know many different ways but the most famous painting is jesus is standing at the door knocking and there's no doorknob on jesus's side of the door and and this is actually an interesting uh, uh scripture to parse out but we'll just take it at face value for now he's basically saying uh, you know i'm not coming in unless you let me mm-hmm. in because that's part of how this works you know you have to let me come in and if you let me come in uh, and you listen to my voice, you'll open the door, you know, and and I will eat with that person. Now, this is a good time to bring back a story or, or, or a uh, understanding uh, that you've heard me say many, many times at communion tables and things like that. But, but in the culture of Jesus on earth, and in that culture probably, and most cultures to, to this day, People who are enemies don't eat together. Breaking bread bread, with someone is a sign of peace with them. So Jesus is saying, I'm pretty ticked off at you guys. I'm angry with you because you've turned something that was introduced to you as whole wheat bread and to white bread. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is implied because he doesn't start with you once had a great church. Mm -hmm. He just says, this is what you are. Yeah. But there was a church established there. So they were established on the right things. And then they turned into this completely social exercise, and people who cared more about social matters led the direction of the activity of the church. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, I'm not happy about that, but I got news for you. If I come knocking on your door and you let me in, we'll break bread together, and there will be peace. <coughs> and then he says what he has often said, To the one who is victorious, I will give a seat with me at the right hand. Of the, you know, on my throne, just as I sat on the Father's throne. In other words, this is a little theological, or, or what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, eschatological <laughs> image. It's an eschatological image. Jesus is telling us in this simple phrase, oh, by the way, right now I'm sitting on the Father's throne, but I will have my own throne. Yeah. And you'll sit with me on my yeah. throne. So that's a little taste of things to come. So that's kind of exciting. Well, I'm looking at the clock here, and it indicates that we're doing fine on time, but we probably need to wrap this. Do you have any particular conclusions you've come to? I just think that this is maybe one of my favorites, literarily, especially because we did the background. Mm-hmm. So there's so much juxtaposition, and I just love it. Like like him talking about them need to, needing to be washed white and their main export being, like, blackest wool. Yeah. And... And him talking about them being blind and that he's going to put a salve on their eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. It is. I, I like. I just the juxtaposition is absolutely remarkable, and obviously he's he knows what he's doing. But I think that's my like the the writing of it. I I don't know. I just love Jesus. That's I don't know. <laughs> he's so he's just clever. So awesome. He's like the best at everything yeah and i just i just love it and that's 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 my conclusion (laughs) that's so that's so sweet the way you say that i just i love that but (laughs) but he uh yeah i mean it's so clever the way he writes this letter it's like you know uh here's here's the deal guys uh i'm writing to you to tell you that i consider you about as lame as the water you drink and i really think that you need to get your gold refined in my fire 
I really think you need some nice white garments that you can take pride in. It, you know, I wonder if all the people in Laodicea are like a bunch of goths. Right, that are know? wearing like, because it's the main. <laughs> you know, it's their main like, export. So, you know. That, you know, they're sort of walking advertisers. So, yeah. you know, I wonder if they wore black <laughs> lipstick and if all they that. Were, yeah, or if they were wearing a lot of black. <laughs> I don't know. And oh. he's, you know, I just, I love it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And I, and I love that. And I've said it before, but I just love that the Bible is so, like, the Bible, like, everything you need is right there, like, and, and that if you're willing to do, to go and do the background research, it's, co- it's just, it's just going to further prove what's right. in there. Right. And that's, that's beautiful, I think, like, yeah, I went and looked up a bunch of stuff about Laodicea, and everything I looked up is right in, yeah. like, seven or eight verses. Yeah. I, I just, that's... Well, it's and magical. you know, I'll I'll take one more stab at the criticism that some, you know, people make about you know you're like layer to see it. Well, what that w- when someone says that that way, they really are proving their ignorance of scripture mm-hmm. and their general ignorance, and in, 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 and I don't mean that in a hurtful way. It, it's but you know, if you're going to presume that you can judge other people and condemn them with something you read in the bible or worse that you heard someone tell you was in the bible you know how you recognize those people they think the lord helps them that help themselves is in the bible those are the people you know have learned everything from the bible everything they think they know about the bible they learned from someone who told them well it reminds me of a conversation i was having with someone dear to us yesterday about effort yeah um to me it's lazy yeah it's lazy to not to i mean yes a lot of times we say take the bible literally and we talk about that but i think it's lazy biblical scholarship to not dig past like to not dive deeper and to just take it from somebody else giving it to you it's lazy it's not you know yeah yeah, I mean, it, it goes with what we're talking about with Laodicea. It's not effective. And part of the reason we're doing this this class, this virtual class, is because, as you know, it has been my goal from the beginning of my ministry to do a lot more than just stand up in the church on Sunday morning and tell them what to think about God and the yeah. Bible. I'm trying to generate an interest in Scripture and an interest in a personal relationship with God that has a life of its own i'm really trying to help people have life Mm -hmm. and abundant life through Mm -hmm. christ you know and that that i want them to have this christian biblical worldview Mm -hmm. and so i create all these opportunities for people to think yeah and 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 this is why i call it knowing god with heart and mind yeah it's it's a combination of faith and intellect and that's the that's exactly what i set out to do because i don't like it when people have a little bit of faith and and possibly in someone who tells them what to think rather than in the lord himself and it's just like you know this is the lack of critical thinking skills you got it you got it you know and and you know how much i think of critical thinking or how much it means to me Mm -hmm. well okay if you don't have anything else i think we're done with the study portion for today so i'm going to say thank you bethany it's such a pleasure to have you here (laughs) and what our listeners will not be able to grasp because once they hear 
these down the road they'll just come one after the other but between now and the next time we record in this studio uh we're going to be moving you that's right i am moving this week but uh, this is a chance to tell you regular listeners that because of vacations because of moving people we love because (laughs) of annual conference in the united methodist church we're going to get this thing out every week the best we can but it probably will not be at a consistent time for a few weeks to a month or so um and i'll just keep you posted i'll put it on the facebook page i'll put it uh in this podcast to to kind of tell you what to expect but we probably will post this on sunday next week as Mm -hmm. well as opposed to the usual friday yeah and i think it may be sunday for quite some time we'll just have to see Mm -hmm. And then but the nice thing is, is that if, as of this week, I will be live in studio for all of them, so we won't right. have any weird feedback issues from that's the right. video chatting. And no more uh, Hopefully next week I won't be coughing my lung up either, so it'll sound really good. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, or you might be doing it by yourself because you'll have to say, well, Dad's in the hospital because, <laughs> because when he was he moving was moving me. my couch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, baby. (laughs) I sure love having you around. So thank you very much. And uh, that'll do it for now. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. I uh, appreciate your patience as you hear the air conditioning droning in the background. Uh, If you're not a regular listener, a long-time listener, then you probably missed the joke about this being, you know, the GHM Studios. You know, the GHM Studio is a corner of my basement that I've dedicated to this task, and it has all my equipment and everything, and it just happens to be on the opposite wall. Uh, That is to say that six or eight inches through the wall on the other side of my studio is my air conditioning unit and heating unit. So, anyway... Hope you're staying cool where you are if it's a little hot. And uh, I want to thank you for listening in and joining us for this. It's really a pleasure to share in this time with you. And uh, I hope it blesses you. Please visit us in the Facebook group, Knowing God with Heart and Mind. The link is here on this uh, description page. And uh, you can also learn more about this and Shiloh United Methodist Church and me and all of that just by visiting shilohum.org, that's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M dot O-R-G. And uh, I love you. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Goodbye.